Hey, welcome to The Sample Cupboard, the place tucked away from the hustle and bustle where we come to have a chat about whatever's on your mind. I'm Johnny. And I'm Kay, and we're here to sample all of life's ups and downs in all their glory. Grab a drink, get comfy, and close the door behind you. Hello, welcome back everybody. I'm feeling fresh. I'm so excited about this week's episode. This is a very fact-filled episode for you guys. I can't say that I've done my research, but Kay has been doing all of the research to bring you all the information today. But before we get into that, we just wanted to say a massive shout out to everyone for all the love last week. We got so many lovely messages on our uni episode, messages of support, messages that let us know that our advice had helped in some way and just really nice feedback on kind of our experiences and and the thoughts that people had shared within that. So thank you so much. Thank you. We're also averaging five stars on Apple. Yay! And that is amazing. How are you this week? I know last week we both said we were feeling a bit like, meh. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good this week. I feel better I feel like you know we're making progress the sun is shining it's been so nice hasn't it although it's been very windy I don't know about you yeah it has been windy where I am Johnny and I don't actually live that close to each other so it does vary sometimes no we're like the other side of the M1 aren't we we are no locations disclosed yeah (laughs) oh my god speaking of locations I forgot to say I was looking at the map of who's been listening we've got listeners in the Philippines oh do we oh hi shout out to the Philippines Magandang. Is that what they say there? I think that means beautiful. That's like the one Filipino word I know. Oh, and Tipak Long, which is a grasshopper. <laughs> well, you're a beautiful grasshopper if you're listening, because that's all we can say. Yeah, that's amazing. But yeah, the sun, it definitely does brighten up my mood a lot. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's like spring now, like we're well into spring. Are you excited about the lambs, babe? I know you love the lambs. I love the lambs. No, I'm just, it's just a nice month. It just feels like things are getting more positive. We're closer to the hot girl summer. I don't know. I just feel like things are lifting up and the weeks are going really quick. I just can't get over it. Aren't they? We're basically the middle of March right now and I just don't know where the time's gone because I thought February seemed to go really fast because it's only a four week month. But then now we're into like a proper month again. It's still going just as fast and I'm like, please stop, slow down. There's no time for anything. It's weird because like half of me is like, I obviously I really want to see my friends and want things to reopen but the other half is like I'm not quite ready for that yet definitely not beach body ready I'm now like am I actually going to ever have any downtime again yeah because I feel so busy at the moment with being at home 24 7 and I don't know how that's going to correspond with actually being able to have a social life on top of all of that I feel like I've forgotten how to balance the social life basically yeah I think everyone's feeling quite similar as well it's going to be a lot but we're going to get through it together and it's exciting. It's literally been a year. That's a lot of like adjusting to do. But I'm sure we'll, you know, once we've had a few bevs, we'll be back into the swing of things. We've got a bit of time. Let's hope hashtag roadmap's gonna come through and gradually ease us into the process. Without further ado, let's do On Wednesdays Who Wear. Da-da-da. Yes. You should kick off because I think you've got a really nice outfit on today. <laughs> You're being sarcastic because it's just jogging bottoms again. <laughs> No, you've got really nice. I love your hoodie. Ah, oh, thank you. Ten points if anyone can guess what hoodie I'm wearing. It's I don't know if you've seen it. Not many people have got them. They're quite rare. It's a beige essentials hoodie. And I've got light pink jogging bottoms on. What are you wearing? I have got on a grey mile Nike sweatshirt. Classic. Got by Nike. Wow, Frank, is that Hashtag you? Frank Ocean. <laughs> and some 
navy joggers your leg can go so high <laughs> they're just long johnny's leg for reference is the height of my whole torso <laughs> Kay's tit height on me i actually am if anyone saw the photos i've not grown our whole friendship this week, we asked you to give us some thoughts, feelings, things that you didn't get taught in school, and we're going to discuss them on our adulting episode. Yeah, so we're going to talk adulting. Basically, what inspired this was I'm nearly 25, which is a quarter of a century, which is really scary. And I only now just feel like I'm at the tip of the iceberg of sorting my shit out. Okay, <laughs> that is probably the best way to describe it. I feel a lot more well informed than I did say when I first turned 18 and I feel like a lot of people in their 20s feel like they should have their stuff figured out and they're only just kind of understanding shit. We got loads of really good questions, loads of really varied responses as well. So what we thought, because there was two main categories essentially, we thought we'd do this week, we'd do a part one where we'll discuss all things to do with money, finances, mortgages, and all those sort of things that come with being an adult. And then also we'll plan on doing a part two, which will discuss all the other things because we had some really great responses as well, including the fact that beds don't come with mattresses and both are equally as expensive. But this week we're going to discuss money as a whole with our money saving expert, Kay. The whole irony of this is I have always been notoriously bad with my money. And actually, as of this year, I'm finally debt free but I haven't always been. I figured this is probably the best way to do it, kind of touch on my own experience and like both of our experiences really on all of these things we've learned along the way. We make the mistakes so you don't have to, okay? So that's what we're here for. <laughs> that's it. That is the strap line for this week's episode. I think it's really important to reiterate that this is based on a lot of our own experiences and that's the reason why we wanted to talk about it. Um, we're not just sort of picking random ideas and facts out of thin air. We want to marry up what you guys wanted to hear about versus what we've actually experienced. Needless to say that we are not at all experts or qualified financial advisors, mortgage brokers, bank lenders, etc., etc. We are literally just giving you snippets of information that we've either researched ourselves or that we've been taught or that we've learned through doing the process ourselves. And we will share some helpful links and information of where we found some of the facts from today's episode in the show notes. Yes, please seek professional advice if you need any help with the issues that we're about to discuss. Right, where do we start then? Maybe let's, let's go back to basics. Ooh. First thing... I've got down on my list to discuss is I hate this word okay budgeting because I hear it and it reminds me of my mum being like make sure you have a budget it just sounds boring doesn't it like it just it sounds like a really boring word it's like bog off bog off I don't want to budget <laughs> I want to spend my money as freely as I as I want tracking what you are spending and, and having a, a tab on that means that you can budget for spending your money on things that you want to do exactly and you know what I wish that I had learned all of this sooner as cliche as that is to say because I've actually worked since I was 12 and if I'd saved or applied any of these things I wouldn't have got into debt I wouldn't have you know gone to uni with no money I would have had a total kind of different way into those situations but having said that that has taught me to get to, to where I am and understand all these different things within. The first thing you really need to do 
to try and get on top of your money management is to just simply figure out how much money you have coming in versus how much you have going out. And that is everything from your living costs, then your travel costs, and add in anything that you regularly need to pay for like a debt, whether that's a credit card, private loan, anything like that. Could that be something like a phone contract as well? Yeah, so like your phone bill, anything like that that's a regular payment, you need to factor in. Yeah, like a regular outgoing, yeah. Because those things are the sort of things that I I really easily forget about when I'm like budgeting. I think, oh, I've got X amount of money in my bank, like I've paid for whatever bill that I need to pay for, but I'll forget about things like phone contracts or like, I don't know, I pay for my contact lenses on a... Uh, direct debit so there's all those little things that I forget about yes they're not that expensive in the grand scheme of things but when they all add up and come out at the end of the month it doesn't leave you with a lot exactly I always try and add everything up and then take that away from your salary personally for me I've adjusted all of my outgoings I called them all up and every different company and I said can I get all of these basically to go out the day after I get paid on the first of the month I know everything is going out some places will let you change it for free won't but that massively helps so with that info I always try and use a budget like planner or a spreadsheet I made one but I know that you can download them online like there's loads of free templates if you don't have time to do that because I mean we don't all a really good way that Johnny and I especially have been able to kind of keep track of our money is Monzo which is like Mm. how would you describe it like an online bank yeah it's like an online banking service but the online platform is the center of it it gives you immediate notifications on all of your transactions it lets you set like limits on certain aspects so like you could set a limit on like personal shopping versus uh, your bills versus general payments there's loads of different categories through the Monzo app and it's just really user-friendly and within that it makes it really easy to track how much you are spending it's so good because it's like it gives you real-time updates so for example I'd always get into trouble with money specifically through using PayPal because PayPal takes a few days to come out your account where what this will do is it will show every transaction live even if it hasn't necessarily been taken it will just show everything instantly is gone you don't have an available balance in a pending it's all just real time which helps you to really see how much money you've got and you can also set up like little pots that you can put your like money each month into say like x amount of money into this pot for bills only Mm -hmm. and then set up all of your direct debits to just take from that specific pot so it's got really good like user-friendly functions I would really recommend that's what's really helped me to kind of get on top of my finances yeah I'd agree definitely and it's also a really good way of budgeting for an like a certain amount of money per month because I use mine as a kind of overflow if you like so I have like my main account for all of my direct spending my direct outgoings and then anything that I know I can afford to have as like surplus money for myself or um, just things that I want to spend like if I want to go into town and grab a coffee I'll have money in my Monzo for that so I know that it's like kind of my disposable income that's left over from the rest of the month yeah that's another thing don't keep all of your wages that lump sum figure in view to you because you will fucking think that you have got all the money in the world and then three days later you'll be a pauper yeah I think that's what's great about Monzo is that it's so easy to use and you can use it for so many different functions it can be your main current account it can be a side account it can be an account that you literally put money in and just keep it 
there and don't touch it because you can lock it away that's the beauty of it it's so user friendly so you can literally make it what you want we're not sponsored by monzo by the way we just really like it no but if they want to get in touch hey but also most banks now do offer what's called a pfm which is like a personal finance manager system which basically is like a standard service that will do everything that johnny advice just spoke have just spoken about kind of for you so it will with your permission analyze your outgoings and incomings and generate a balance after bills so it will just help you kind of see that more clearly and also will help you set targets towards savings goals so that's a really good way and i'm pretty sure most current accounts offer that system as well makes you seem really official to have like yeah i've got my own personal finance manager yeah i've got a pfm like they just do it all yeah <laughs> i'm really glad that they've started to introduce things like that now because it's hard to do it all yourself and it's a lot i know that banks in general right now are trying to become more personable aren't they if you see even like the lloyd's tsb adverts or something it's all about you and is they're really emotive and they're sending out this message of helping people out and being there for you in a time of need so you know take advantage of that because it's all there for you to to use and it, it doesn't does it cost you any extra to have that no no they're free so it's great you know especially with all the apps and things as well that banks have you can literally contact them almost 24 7 through their apps or their chat services now it's really good so alongside money and earnings also comes debt dun, dun, dun. this is a topic that i know all too well <laughs> i'm sure a lot of people do also yeah especially having talked about uni last week where we spoke about the amount of debt that you can get into from your loans and just cost of living especially if you can't work or don't have a means of income whilst you're at uni debt is something that I think a lot of people will be familiar with but there are obviously different types of debt and different ways in which you can manage that debt depending on what that is. Yeah so when I'm talking about debt I'm not speaking about anything to do with uni this is just personal debt credit cards overdraft things like that I don't want to make out like I'm an expert like I said I'm just literally touching on what I've done and also if you are listening to this and you are in debt it's a fucking scary feeling and I've been there and I know that and you will get through it but the main thing for me it kind of skyrocketed from when I first started renting in London and I needed to find like a few thousand pounds to put together for a deposit for a flat because it literally is a few thousand pounds isn't it it's a lot yeah it's often like about 10 weeks rent up front which you do get a percentage of it back but it just I think I just wasn't prepared anyway that then kind of meant I started out every year in London with this minus a few thousand pound and I was just of this mindset like I can literally cannot do anything about that like I can only earn so much I might as well just carry on which isn't the best way to look at it and took me two years literally until the last six months of living at home to be able to pay all of that off so if you're listening to this and you're in a similar situation like no it will get better and you will be able to get through it but you need to be proactive about making these changes yeah and there are lots of services as well that can help you to manage your finances that can help you balance things out a little bit and create plans to make things easier in the future yes exactly so what did you do then like obviously you acknowledged that you were in debt but then when it got to the point where you thought 
okay, I need to sort this out now. What was your first reaction? What did you do? So the first thing I think that I did was I looked at where was the highest interest and what did I need to pay off first also fuck the savings just get rid of your debt first yeah don't worry about the savings so those were the two two things and then also this is where I went wrong massively I would just be like at the end of the month be like all right so I've got 50 quid free I'll just I'll just put that on the credit card that'll be fine that is not fine you need to pay it off as soon as your bills go out treat it like another bill get it done otherwise that 50 quid I'll realize I needed that a few weeks later and I think oh I can put 50 quid back on my credit card because I paid it off and it's just a cycle so those were the main things also I sat down and like reviewed where all my money was currently going and I realized that there was quite a lot of unnecessary purchases I think like people are aware of this aren't they you know you'd be like oh that's less than a coffee a week or something and people do have this awareness but I think until you actually and like seriously sit down and go what do I spend my money on every month where does it go it's not until then that you realize how much you actually do sort of just spend completely randomly yeah exactly when I actually sat down and looked at it I was expecting it to be this big purchase I did it was actually all of the small five to twenty pounds all of those purchases added up and then that was what was kind of contributing it's like this casual spending that you don't realize so a good example is a coffee like I'd get a coffee either every day at work or like something of that sort of value say it's like three pound a day if you're doing that each day 60 pounds a month that's 720 pounds a year what is this ridiculous I'm not saying you shouldn't be spending that but I mean, that is an immediate saving that's not necessary. It's a small luxury that if you've got the disposable income, great. But when you're trying to cut back, that's a really quick fix. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, it's just one example of many things. You know, it could be the difference of, I don't know, walking instead of getting the bus or getting public transport instead of getting an Uber. The small things that you might not necessarily think are big, you could easily take those things out or substitute them for something else and make a make a like very attractive saving. Exactly. And also things like Netflix, Spotify, Amazon Prime, you do not need them. Uh... If, if it's for the, for the sake <laughs> of your finances and, and trying to pay off your debts, you do not need all these subscription services and you can live without them. Not saying forever, but at this moment in time. Going cold turkey for all those things is difficult. So try and find alternative streaming platforms. You can you can just do with adverts for a little bit, you know? All the episodes of That's So Raven are on YouTube. That's a good week's worth of entertainment. I think it is important to say it doesn't have to be forever. A lot of people, when you say that, I think they'll be scared because we love our Netflix, we love our Prime, we love our Disney+. Plus. A lot of people will say oh, but that coffee is like my treat in the week or, you know, that Netflix account is something that I need it for my downtime in the evening. How did you know what to prioritise in that situation? I think I just knew that for a short time to forego these things, I need to get myself out of this situation and then I can have all these things back. It's just self-discipline. And I think I was just at the point where I was like, fuck, I couldn't like just sit and enjoy these things if I know that it's kind of taking it away from me being debt free it was so prevalent in my mind that I was obsessed with getting rid of the debt that I didn't really mind so much Mm. that's a really difficult question to answer but at that point I just I knew I had to make some sacrifices but the thought that I knew that wasn't forever it was fine so you talked about then getting back into the savings obviously like forgetting about the savings while you're paying off the debt but once you paid off the debt and you celebrate that because it's an amazing achievement (laughs) 
how did you then get back into saving where where did you go first I was clueless with savings like literally clueless I'd never saved properly I didn't really understand I mean I'm still learning I don't know it Mm. all now every day is a school day exactly I think for a lot of people as well this year has kind of made us take a step back and be like oh my god without actually doing all that I've got this much money, you know. The first thing to start with is to pay yourself first. And the whole idea is, mm. like when you've paid your bills, you've paid your debts, you need to pay yourself first. Treat savings like a bill. Okay, listen to me now. Do it at the start of the month when you yeah. get paid. Do not do it at the end as an afterthought. Honestly, that is the only way I have saved money. It's such a good way of thinking about it because I think so many people think of a savings like a savings process as a luxury or something that you can only do if you're earning like loads and loads of money and have loads and loads of disposable income but literally you can put away like a fiver a month and over a period of time if you know if that's in an account that's got a decent interest rate which I mean let's be honest not a lot of them do at the moment but even a small interest rate will accrue interest on that over time and if you're doing that for like 10 years think of all that money yeah exactly There's other ways that you can save as well, like short term. Like I spoke about, you've got the Monzo pots. You can put some money like each month into a pot for, say, holidays or like what you do, put money in just just for kind of like extra luxuries. Banks often offer roundup schemes, which will like round up your spare change and put that into your account. Yes, I've heard about these things. I need to get onto them, but they sound really good. Like if you spent $3.98 on a coffee for example so it would be rounded up to four pounds and that extra 2p would then go into a savings pot but that just happens automatically off the back of the purchase yeah yeah yeah. there's loads of banks that do it and it's a really helpful little tool and then like at the end of the month i could have like 40 quid you know it's just a good little extra way of saving and you don't really have to think about it yeah i know that some banks as well like, like with my santander account i've got a cashback scheme So it's like where they partner up with certain companies. A lot of them are quite random, but I know that like Five Guys is one of them. Sometimes Pratt goes on it. There's also like holiday companies, all sorts of companies that that come and go from the platform. But it's if you use Santander to buy through those companies, you get a certain percentage of cash back at the end of the month. So it could be like 2%, it could be 5%, it could be 10%. um, And that's another nice little way of getting extra money into your bank account. it's a really good idea. In addition to like short term saving there's like different accounts that you can open to aid your savings goals most well known is probably an ISA so an individual savings account very good I was going to ask you about that they're basically accounts loads of different banks offer them each financial year there's a different kind of cap on the value of savings you can have before it's taxed so for this current financial year it's £20,000 there's lots of different types of ISAs for example I've got a LISA it's like a lifetime saving I think it's 25% of whatever you put in, you get up to a thousand pounds on top of that. So for every four grand you save, you'll get a thousand, if that makes sense. So it's like an incentive. Some accounts, some ICEs, you can access your money at any time um, and there's no penalty for withdrawing money, but accounts like the one I spoke about, the LISA, you just lock away that money and there's a penalty fee for withdrawing that if it's not put towards certain things i've got a 120 day cash isa you have to give 120 days notice before you withdraw money so that's good for things like if you want to open if you want to apply for a mortgage or any big payments that you know are going to be coming up in the future you've got what's that four months to kind of warn them and it it just means that you can take out penalty free you can take it out for a fee but it's just a bit it's almost like a halfway point like between a normal cash isa and a lifetime ISA, I guess. 
I'm terrible because I've got memories of being on nights out. And then before I know it, I've transferred from my savings account while I'm stood at the bar buying cocktails. Like, it's just stupid, like really stupid. We've all done it though. We've all done it. I think what's good with ISIS sometimes as well, I don't know if this is the case. Well, I think with most bank accounts, you don't have to have a card, do you? Mm, yeah, I think even just like bank accounts in general, like you said, you can request to not have a card. Just makes it easy and the temptation's there. And before you know it, half of it's gone on Jager bombs. So that's always an option to think about if you're considering opening a savings account in whatever format, current account, savings, ISA, whatever. There are stocks and shares ISAs and obviously loads of other ways to invest mm, which is getting popular at the moment isn't it i feel like that's growing in popularity right now it is i think a lot of people are saying now's a good time to invest which i don't know a huge amount about i've just recently got a stocks and shares iso which i, I don't feel confident enough to explain to the podcast listeners just yet but miss money bags over here <laughs> Pays off debt once, opens up stocks and shares ISA. Literally, like ringing up the bank for a positive reason. (laughs) The difference with the stocks and shares ISA is obviously your capital is at risk and you choose to put your money into a range of investments, such as like cash, government, corporate bonds, property, or obviously the stock market. So that's another way to save money, but it's more popular for a long-term goal. It's not really a quick fix. You don't put a certain amount of money in and then tomorrow you'll make this you know it's a slow Mm. burner you put that money away and then in like I don't know five years time right that's what I'm kind of using it for rather than a instant cash Mm. fix yeah I think it's good I think ISAs in general are more long-term accounts aren't they they're they're built with the idea that you are going to put money in them for a long period of time as I mentioned there's other ways that you can create like long-term savings a good way of investments other than stocks and shares is property if you are interested in that a youtube channel that i found really useful in learning all things investments and mistakes that were made in their 20s is matt and summer on youtube they are property investors from the uk and they're fab so check them out So we've got a few more questions as well, which were based on buying houses. That's quite a big thing on people's minds at the moment. The whole idea of buying versus renting. There's a lot of pressure on young people, particularly those in their 20s. There's pressure for them to be buying a house or getting a mortgage and getting on that property ladder straight away. But we know very well that that is not as easy as it might seem. So we wanted to kind of give you a few facts and figures about that. And I know, Kay, you did a poll on your Instagram, right? About Yeah, I did a poll about like buying versus renting, mainly for my own interest. I think there comes a point in your 20s when there's this kind of self-pressure and it's a societal pressure, but then you kind of apply it to yourself with this old system that kind of defines if you're successful or not by certain measures of like owning a house, having a family, having your own place, not living at home. it's capitalism. Capitalism, this is it. You put those pressures on yourself. And like, I remember when I was younger, I was dating this guy and he was a little bit older than me. And he was always like, my friends are all buying houses and I feel like totally not on the same level as them. I don't want to buy a house. I'm not ready to, I'm enjoying my life in London. And Mm. I was like, just chill, don't worry about it. And now when I'm actually there, I'm like, I totally understand now what he was saying. Yeah, it's so hard, isn't it? It's so hard to to tell yourself that it's all right and, you know, things are going to work out because it seems like it's everywhere you look, not only from a friendship point of view, but 
I think like the generation above us, house prices were a lot lower. The average income was much more in line with house price. I think if you look at the figures from the 90s or from like, you know, 30 years ago, average household income was something like 20,000. But the average price of a house was about 40,000. But now it's gone up by so much and they're so disproportionate now. Um, I think just knowing that relieves a lot of pressure and anxiety, doesn't it? A hundred percent. And like when I first moved to London, my mum was like, when I was your age, I bought a flat in London. She bought a flat in Wood Green. Um, I think she paid about £70,000 for it, a two bed flat. <sighs> and I think now it wasn't anything special. It was literally just your standard two bed flat I think wood green is zone three or four and above a betting shop if she'd kept it it would have been worth over 400 grand which is fucking mad it's ridiculous it's just mad like it blows my mind I found a fact that actually will make us feel a little bit better about this so the office of national statistics said last year that home ownership has collapsed for adults in their prime working age according to figures that show those in their mid-30s to 40s are three times more likely to rent than 20 years ago. Comparing it to what we just spoke about in terms of average salary versus average house price from 20, 30 years ago, it was so much easier for people at that stage of their life to get on the property ladder. But now that's obviously a direct reflection of, well, probably A, people's lifestyles in that people are more, I'd say, career-focused and... There's much more equality in terms of the workplace. So you've got men and women both competing for the same jobs, whereas 30 years ago, that might not have necessarily been the case. And then you've got literally just the economy mm. and the fact that prices of houses have gone through the roof, but salaries haven't increased to match that. Mm. Also, I've got another statistic for you. You ready? Mm, I'm so ready. I'm living for these statistics. In 2020, only 9% of all of the homeowners in England were under 35. That makes me feel better. There's so many more barriers stopping young people from owning their own home, like raising the initial deposit, Mm. getting a mortgage on the current income or poor credit ratings. There's so many factors now that go into it. There's so many things that are checked before you get a mortgage. I actually did a bit of looking into this because a lot of people did ask the question. And I know that it's something that I'm constantly worried about because nobody is literally one of the classic things that no one teaches you about in school and I feel like everybody needs to at least know what it is even if it's not something you plan on getting you need Mm. to know what one is so essentially a mortgage is a loan from your bank or a loans providing service normally a bank that allows you to buy a property Um, it's secured based on the value of the of the property that you're looking to buy um, and it's paid off over a certain length of time so it's essentially a credit system that allows you to buy a house through a bank. The standard agreement is normally about 25 years, but that can be shortened or lengthened depending on the initial deposit that you put down and the amount of the monthly repayments that you choose to make. So that's like kind of it in a nutshell. All seems so simple and easy and straightforward, but the checks that people have to go through to get a mortgage are absolutely like insane. Tell me all of the banana skins. (laughs) (laughs) So banana skin number one, you have obviously a check on your combined household income. So whether that's just you as an individual buying a house, or if you're looking at buying it with a friend or a partner or whatever, your household income is, is reviewed to basically see whether you earn enough money to 
afford the house. And that's quite straightforward as a check goes. But then they run an affordability check on you as a household as well. So that will be all the things like the household bills, any outgoings that you have. They'll look at any debts or loans or credit cards that you have to check ultimately what will be left at the end of all of those outgoings for your mortgage repayments. Obviously, things like that are much easier to calculate if you already have a mortgage because that will be budgeted into all of your outgoings, which is why when people say it's so hard to get on the property ladder, that's one of the main reasons is because you haven't ever had to factor for something like that coming out of your account previously. And as if that wasn't enough, banana skin number three, they do what's called a stress test. Oh no. Okay. And it is what it says on the tin, stressful. It's designed to help you out. It's a test that will check to see if, for example, inflation rates went up or if you had to take early retirement or if you went on maternity leave, something like that. If that happened, whether you'd be able to still manage your monthly mortgage payments. So it's kind of like a buffer zone, essentially, to see, okay, you might be able to afford the mortgage now with everything that you've got going on. But if something changes, whether you'll still be able to make those mortgage payments. Obviously, you will have a mortgage advisor at this point. Yes, yes. I'm sorry, I forgot to add that. You don't have to do all this on your own. You will have a mortgage advisor. And they are amazing at getting all the info that you need to know, working out the best mortgage payment for you, investigating all of the help and resources that you can employ to make your mortgage as swift and as easy as possible. It isn't simple. And then obviously that has to be approved and then you can start paying it back. But your deposit, which I think is one of the main stumbling blocks for a mortgage, is something that's really difficult to obtain as well but that being said so I mentioned earlier I did a poll on Instagram obviously this is not representative of the whole UK demographic so a quarter of the people in my poll who said they owned a house put down 10% or less so most people do put a higher deposit down for their first house purchase 70% of people who answered the poll saying they bought a house bought it with somebody else so it wasn't just them there's kind of two people working together there to raise the deposit rather than just on your own which can help massively and you don't have to be like partners with them you can that can be a friend or it could be an acquaintance a colleague like obviously it's got to be somebody that you trust because you don't want somebody to go into a mortgage agreement and then they leave to Bermuda and like you're high and dry with debt where's that place that Phoebe and friends her boyfriend goes to that doesn't exist oh god oh no why can't I remember it that's embarrassing we'll think of it later also in addition to the standard conventional raising the deposit there's government schemes that help first-time buyers so when I did my poll 40% of those who had bought a house had used a help to buy scheme shared ownership being one of them they also do a help to buy equity loan which they have stopped at the moment but they're looking to introduce another kind of scheme to replace it aren't they so shared ownership is essentially where you buy a percentage of the house and you pay rent on the rest like it's a helping hand onto the property ladder because you've already got that ownership but there's the opportunity to buy all of it you can you can buy it out can't you you can buy out your shares but I don't I don't want to advise on it because I don't know anything about it but in Mm. simple terms it's just good to know what's available though isn't it should we address the elephant in the room let's address the (laughs) elephant in the room we're giving financial advice on mortgages when we are currently living at home 
Yep. We haven't lived at home forever. It's only been... This <laughs> feels <time>. like it. <laughs> feels feels like it, to be honest. Obviously, we're super grateful that we have this option because we know a lot of people don't. But it seems like a really scary thing to get back into renting or mm. moving out, buying a home. And literally, when I'd saved a bit of money, this is just classic me, just jumping to conclusions like, oh my God, I've finally got some money in the bank, which is absolutely nowhere near even... <laughs> five percent of a house deposit I'm like I could buy I'm just so dramatic so I'm like doing all these polls to find out what everyone else is doing my age and then I was like really pissed off because it came back like loads of people actually owned houses under under the age of 25 and I was like fuck but then I thought actually we're all on that I hate this phrase your favorite phrase Johnny we're all on our own journey in life and just because your friends have bought a house at 24 doesn't mean that's what you need to do it's it's obviously if it's not happened right now it's not meant to be for you at this point in your life just think of it like that it's such a big decision there's so many things that have to happen before you get there you want to be doing it at a time that's right for you that it means you're in a stable position um that it's in a place that you want it to be in you know it's a big investment I think we have as a society it goes back to that whole thing of placing success on things that you have rather than like what you're doing or what you're achieving in other areas the last reason that you should be getting a house is because you feel like you have to prove something to someone or prove something to the world don't be jumping into those sort of things just to say I've got this I've got that that because it's not the way to do things because it's such a big agreement Um, And I think it can be confusing and people, especially with the things like the help to buy scheme that make it a lot easier. I'm not saying it makes it really easy, but it makes it a lot easier to get onto the property ladder now. It feels more tangible. It feels closer and within more reach, doesn't it? Yeah. So it's easier for people to grasp hold of that and go, yes, I'm, I'm owning a house. But actually you could be strapped up in a 30, 35 40 year long mortgage agreement for that house that you might not even own all of essentially and not to say that that's a bad thing but it's not always what it seems is where I'm going with that so it has to be the right thing for you at the right time for you no I agree also when I did that um poll someone sent me a really interesting video by a guy called James Smith PT on Instagram and the video Mm. I think I sent it to you the video is called this will divide the room oh yeah and it's basically talks about a different view on buying a property this guy's view is basically you're never going to pay your house off you'll just give it to someone when you die so you might as well just live for the now that's a controversial opinion but from that I did then think I don't know how you feel about this but I was kind of since I've been living at home I've been thinking right I need to move out but then I'm also like I'm stay, I'm living at home so maybe I'm expected to yeah. kind of like save enough to be able to buy somewhere and I was putting without realizing all this pressure on myself and like yeah yeah I'm saving for a house but actually I don't want to buy a house in the next few years and if I did I'd be buying it for an investment yeah that's what I mean I think if it's if it's the right time for you if you're in the right place and you're settled and you've got a a job that you can see yourself progressing in you know then yes of course that's the right time for you but if you plan on traveling with your career if you plan on moving to different places if you're much more free with that buying a house doesn't align with that in a certain place because you're you're effectively settling down in one given space unless like you say you want to become a land person you know landlady landlord whatever you have to think about that in terms of 
the bigger picture. Yeah, in relative terms. Personally, for me, I would love to own a house at some point. But realistically, you can get a really nice little rental mm. property and be totally content in that. You know, I, I just, my views of it have really shifted in the last few months, especially. And I was like, why am I actually pinpointing my success levels on owning a property that I don't want to own because I don't want to stay in the same place? I don't want to have ties to a certain area. I couldn't afford to buy in London on my mm. own anytime soon, which is probably where I would like to move back to or abroad. You know, I just thought, why am I actually putting this pressure on myself? Because mm. it's not what I want right now. But then when I'm looking on Instagram and person after person's posting that they've just got the keys and they're sat on their island in the middle of the kitchen, you do feel a bit of a way. And you obviously that's an amazing achievement, but you're seeing the final product. Yeah. You're not seeing those years that they maybe didn't go to uni or they've been saving and working for this many years and they've foregone yeah, all totally. these other things that I maybe have had. I'm not seeing that. I'm just seeing those keys in that person's mm. hand at age 23, 24. And I'm like, why am I not there? I should yeah, be there. Totally. I agree. I think for me, I think of owning a house as something that co will come at a time that is right for me. Like I look at the my friends who've bought houses or people that I know who are buying houses that are like similar age to me. Yeah. And I think, wow, like that is an amazing thing. Like what, I'm like, what did they do to, to do that? Yeah. Like how did they get that? Because that's incredible. But also like when I actually look at it in perspective, I'm like, I don't, I, it's not what I'm ready for yet. There's so many yeah. other things I want to achieve before that. And I, like you, I, I do see myself owning a house one day and I love the whole idea of having like a family home. Yeah. Me too. Is there for, for life and it's kind of like you grow with the home and things. Like I love all of that. But that for me comes later, comes when I've had a bit more of a career, when I'm ready to settle down. For me, it's like if you if you have it all so early, where have you got to go from that point? I've got to have I've got to leave myself something to look forward to. That's true. I don't know why I have suddenly put this pressure on myself. And like when I'm having this conversation with you, I'm realizing it more and more like it's fine to say I don't want to have a house. That's not something at this moment in time. I'm not ready for that. I don't want to settle down. I've still got so much more of my life that I want to live. Yeah, I think it all comes from that like capitalism thing that we were talking about earlier. Like having things and having like attributes to your name is seen as a positive thing and it's seen as a successful thing. And we're the generation that are like kind of changing that mentality. Having a house at a certain age doesn't necessarily mean you're not as successful as a person that does have a house at the same age as you. I think when we, you know, when we talk about like our parents' generation and the generation before us, landlords were much more like they had a house that they rented out whilst they lived away and then they would come back to it. Whereas now people have like housing portfolios and renting portfolios of houses that they literally rent out as their business. You can live in it and just keep renewing your contract for years. When I lived in London, the guy who lived in the flat above me had been renting it for like 15 years. And had just stayed in that same flat for his whole life and didn't plan on moving. Is a prime example of somebody that, you know, doesn't own a property, but is living a very comfortable life. There is a type of stigma around not owning your own home and being in rental. But yes, I get the idea that you don't want to be paying into somebody else's pocket. But really, if you cannot buy a house and, and you don't think that's going to be feasible, that's absolutely fine. Either way, you're still paying somebody else yes you have more ownership yes you can decorate yes you technically own that property but either is still a great achievement yeah. 
we're not shaming anyone that's got a house that's not it at all it's an amazing achievement but our kind of angle being two people who don't own Mm. homes you know it's not the be all and end all if you have a house or not or if you just anything in life that that's kind of the crux of this whole episode you don't need to have these things to be marked as successful to have a fulfilling life you can achieve that in in other ways that, that aren't just the conventional methods it's not the be all and end all work on yourself be the best person that you can be spend your money wisely and that's all that that's all that we ask of you honeys <laughs> Gosh, wow. So obviously we've been thinking about a lot this week. We have managed to think about other things as well in the in the shower thoughts section. We've got a good one this week, actually. Take it away. Well, I should say I can't take credit. I think I saw this on a meme and it really did make me think and also made me laugh. And it was basically saying, imagine you're a whale and you've just had like, you've just gone through a break before <laughs> I had an argument. <laughs> Sorry. Just trying to put my my brain into that place. Okay, I'm I'm a whale. I've just split up with my partner. And then, so you're going through this breakup, and then humans have recorded your conversation, uploaded it to Spotify to use as sleep music, and some human is lying there listening to the <laughs> whale conversation. I don't personally listen to whale music to fall asleep. I have Headspace and I listen to that. But imagine like those whale noises in the background of the thing I'm listening to are actually like Brenda and (gasps) I don't know, Dave. So on the flip of that, can you imagine a whale going to sleep listening to like Kat and Shirley having a row from EastEnders? (laughs) You know what comes to mind? Have you seen that TikTok where it's like when your neighbours are arguing and it's this guy who goes out into his balcony, he's putting clothes <laughs> pegs onto the plants. So it's just the most random activity to try and listen to the neighbours' argument. I'm now thinking that I'm never going to be able to listen to whale noises again because all I'm going to be thinking about is the fact that they could potentially be arguing. And what do they argue about? Like, what do whales have to argue about? Why are they pressed? Why are they so upset? <laughs> I don't know. Like, could be anything. So yeah, there's some food for thought for you. That's another one for David Attenborough this week yeah david you didn't get in touch last week for gonna say david i know you're busy with your programs and everything but come on we need some help any whale watchers get in touch please we'd love to hear from you i think that's a nice place to round up thank you so much for listening again today we really hope that some of the advice was helpful if you guys have any more experiences that you've gone through that you'd like to share with us or if you want to add anything to what we've spoken about today please feel free to get in touch with us at the sample cupboard on instagram or hello at the uk. we'd love to hear from you and we'd also love to share your experiences with all of our listeners as well Next week, we have another special guest on. My good friend Alma. She is a creative director, fashion designer, stylist, and owner of the fashion brand She Has a Bowl. Join us as we discuss with her taking a side hustle to a full time career and also some of the biggest challenges she's faced to date with being a businesswoman. See you next week. Thank you so much to Alex for all the music on this week's show. We will put his details down in the show notes. <laughs>